This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Reporting from the Zikurataka, Omaha, this is the THN Nerd News with Joel and Matt. Welcome to your THN Nerd News Recap. I am your head number one. My name is Matt Baum. I will be your comics opinionator for the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Did you look up the word opinionator before yes, you said it out official. loud on the internet for everybody? It's a real thing. O-P-I-O-N-A-T-O-R. <laughs> That's not how you spell opinion, for one thing. And I'm your head number two. You may know me as the internet's Joe Patrick. I am as I ever was. We begin this week with the latest Scrody scandal. Oh, boy. Scrody? How long have you been in here? So we got spoilers for Secret Invasion. We're not going to go into what happened, but there is something, a reveal that we have to talk about. So we're also not going to uh, explain what Scrody means. Uh, we kind of have to. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but no spoilers for the actual show. Let's get into it. The MCU show starring Samuel Jackson and Don Cheadle came to an unceremonious end this week. And while Joe said he liked it, no one else seemed to. But that's not the story here. False. Plenty of people, including on our own Discord, uh-huh. said that I liked it. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Secret Invasion director Ali Salem revealed when Rhodey became a scroll, and everyone is pissed. <laughs> so this is Salim's quote, right? I think his leg's not working in the end of episode six and him being in the hospital gown points to Captain America Civil War. He said this to comicbook.com, by the way. And from there, does it have to be definitive or is it more fun for the audience to go back and revisit every moment, every roadie moment and look at it with a different lens now that they think, oh, he might have been a scroll there and then they can make the decision for themselves. You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like to me, yeah, we didn't think about it a whole lot. <laughs> no, I think that they thought I think that they thought about it, but they, they don't want to actually definitively state it because you can't please everybody. There's a lot of bullshit that comes up if this is the case. If they're saying this is the case, that means Rody doesn't know that Tony's dead. Rody doesn't know that yeah. Thanos existed. Rody had nothing to do with either Infinity War or Endgame. Just wasn't around. And that Rody that was there was a scroll the whole time who yeah. cried at Tony's funeral, who spoke a lot about being a black man in modern America. <laughs> like, I mean, Matt, he had to pretend like he had to act like he was Rhodey. I don't disagree, but the scrolls only know so much. You know, they take their mind and stuff like that. They, they know everything. That's the whole point. Fair enough. One thing we learned about the scrolls on the show is when they're gravely injured, they bleed purple and turn back into a scroll. And when Rhodey almost died when they blew up the Avengers compound, he just kind of kept it together. He was fine. Didn't turn into a scroll okay, or anything. Look, like, look, look. I, I don't <laughs> I don't give a shit about that because there are things like you have to you have to allow for the fact that not the entire arc of the six phase Marvel cinematic universe was planned out by the end of phase 
three. Oh, I totally you know? agree with they that. They didn't know that they were doing secret invasion. So yeah, when we saw Rhodey get hurt, we don't see purple blood and green skin. I 100% agree with that statement, but I don't have to allow for them doing this and not thinking about it. That's stupid. That's I do stupid. think they think, I do think they thought about it. I, I think, I think the director is saying, well, these are certainly where the clues are pointing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But hey, I think he's doing what Kevin Feige has always done, which is just mess with the audience. Like that doesn't point to them not thinking about it. It just points to them not just saying, yes, the answer to your question is X. It also removes an incredible black character from some of the biggest moments of Marvel movie history and implants a scroll. Cool. And now cool. we are going and now an incredible black character is going to get a starring role in a major motion picture. I'm sorry. There's no defense for this. And that show sucked. It's the worst Marvel I, show I've seen yet. I think making a race <laughs> thing out of it is pretty freaking silly. So well, I mean, like, but seriously, dude, I mean, seriously, though, like Rhodey had a lot of moments where he was stepping up and speaking about race in America. And now we find out it wasn't even him. Well, did he have a lot of moments? Yes. Go back and check it. Look, you can get on YouTube and they, there's people that dissected this and showed all the stuff like this is a scroll doing this. This is a scroll saying this. Yeah. <laughs> this like, okay. Look, there are explanations for why the scroll, the, obviously the scrolls were able to convincingly replace these dignitaries and to say that like, oh, well, they did it to you know, the secretary of this and the and sure. the general of that, but not to this one black guy. That's, that's silly. Would you say that's that the roadie on the secret invasion show was convincingly roadie? Cause he was not acting like roadie at all. Well, he acted like now a they, real now shit. Gravik, yes. Because <laughs> Gravik was executing his master plan. Like okay. the trap was being this sprung. This is a lot like, of apologizing for this show. <laughs> I'm not apologizing. I think this is nitpicking. Uh, like, I understand people didn't like it for certain reasons, but I don't think anything that involved Rhodey like is part of that. I think that it's nitpicking things that for on a show that they already didn't like. Like I don't have any problems with the Rhodey revealed. None. I thought it was dumb and, and it made the show. And now worse. we and now we get to see in a again in a major motion picture where Rhodey will probably become the new Iron Man. Yeah. Saddled with the baggage we, of a show that nobody watched that was not very well reviewed. Oh my God. <laughs> like it's a my bad point idea, is that this, this this character that you think has gotten this short shrift is now going to have a compelling character arc where he has to deal with like my best friend got married and died and I wasn't there for it. Uh, I mean, you know, we already my whole had life got stolen from me. Blah, blah, already had everybody that was lost in the blip that already had that same storyline. This is just like, oh, it's a different blip that was longer. Okay, mm, great. No, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the roadie thing is a problem. Sorry. Oh, leave it out! You tossers! You had one job to do. James Gunn is keeping the casting news coming for Superman Legacy, but not with the usual super fam. Apparently, Mon Pa Kent can wait because there are more DC super people than we thought, making their day but in the first chapter of Gunn and DC's new movie universe, Gods and Monsters. Per Vanity Fair, Nathan Fillion will play Green Lantern Guy Gardner. Eddie Gathegi is on board as Mr. Terrific. Um, that is the guy that that's Darwin, right? He played Darwin yes. in X-Men first. He class. was Darwin. Yeah. Um, he was also on house. Like if you need that frame of reference, that's who that is. And that Isabella Merced is signed on to play Hawk girl. 
Plus, Barry's NoHo Hank, Anthony Kerrigan, will be playing Metamorpho. Matt Bomb, is this the JSA? I don't know. <laughs> no, they're not doing the JSA. I don't know. No, I, I do think it's funny that everybody has wanted Fillion to play a Green Lantern for years and years and years and years now, and he gets it, and he's not Hal. <laughs> Fine. I think that no. he will be great as Guy Gardner. He's going to kill you it. kidding me? He's going to kill it as Guy Gardner. I love hey, it. And you know what? I'm so tired of people. I get it, man. These stars are aging. Everybody knows it. Everybody wanted Nathan Fillion to play Hal, uh, Hal Jordan 15 years ago. Sure, sure. And it, now he's in his 50s and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Don Cheadle is going to be uh, 60-something. Samuel L. Jackson's almost 70. Like, I understand. But there is no reason in this, in this current day of CGI, like, super convincing and compelling visual effects that we can't get a guy who, by the way, is known for having a magic power ring, not a super brawny physique. Well, sure. To be a superhero. Like I, I'm the complaints about age. Get out of town. With I don't that have shit. a problem I'm, with that. No, I don't have any complaints with any of this. Oh, but I'm not saying you, but I'm saying like, yeah. I've seen it. It's, it's like, no, calm down. I, no. So I will say Anthony Kerrigan, no ho Hank. If you haven't watched Barry, no, brilliant, Hank brilliant metamorphic casting. The best character arc I think I have ever seen in a TV show. It is amazing. That actor is incredible. And the fact that they're reaching for metamorpho, this tells me look, Green Lantern, very safe. Mr. Terrific, sure. Uh, Hawk Girl, right on. Very pop. Metamorpho, guns go in there, which says to me, don't worry about it. The gloves are coming off. We're going full DC. You know, like I did it with Rocket Raccoon and Groot. <laughs> like I can do it with Metamorpho. Here yeah, we go. Of course, like oh, what man. were we like? Where were what were we expecting? Like it's well, of if, course he is. I just like, think if we, we shouldn't have expected anything else. I just think if you look at like the previous, the Snyder version, they played it very safe with all these characters, and it was very serious and blah. And then, uh, this just makes me oh, happy. This, this makes is, me so oh. happy. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, uh, the name, but this girl, this Isabella Mer Merced is, uh, she was Dora, Dora, the Explorer in the live action movie. She's great. I didn't even know there was a Dora, um, the Explorer <laughs> live action movie. Yeah. In 2019, there was a Dora, the Explorer live action movie. Right. She also played, um, she also played Jason Momoa's daughter in the Netflix original movie, sweet girl. She's very good. Okay. And I love no, this casting no. and I, I get more and more excited for I Superman too. legacy. Cause I don't think it's going to take itself too entirely seriously. And that's what I need. Yes. And you know, people are, people are jumping to a lot of conclusions about the fact that there are so many heroes uh, being included in this. And I don't think it's the sign of anything. Like, I don't think we should take this news and go, there's there's gun building this justice league. No, no. I think these characters think, will be in the movie for five minutes. Look at what he did yeah, with Suicide exactly Squad right. 2. We got introduced to a squad of famous people in the first scene <laughs> that well, die within five minutes. It, it, <laughs> okay, yeah, we, Weasel and uh, Javelin, yeah. But no, we know that this movie is Superman as a young hero earlier in his career coming to grips with becoming this icon. Yeah. And... I think it's just Gunn using that backdrop to say, this is the world that he lives in. For sure. 
And I don't think it's going to, like you said, I think that most of these, I, I think that they will be brief appearances. Yeah. yeah. In and out. Metamorpho is not going to be a major character in this movie. Come on. <laughs> I certainly don't think, I certainly don't necessarily think that they're going to be a team. I think he's just going to meet them. Yeah. He probably knows them. They stop by something. He's whipping around the world and helps Green Lantern with something or, and then stops and helps Metamorpho yeah, with something. It, it, you know. Exactly right. And that's what I want. It's I want right Superman there. to be... I want Superman to be doing what Superman does, flying all around the world yes. looking for trouble spots and seeing that Metamorpho is in a jam. Totally. It, yeah. That is one of 100%. the major things that's been lacking from all the DC movies. Everyone was on an island in their own movie, completely removed from everything else, and then we would force it together for a couple movies and then break it back off to an island. This, if you're doing something like that, where it's just like, hey, Superman lives in a world with a bunch of superheroes. Yay. That's what I want. And, and <laughs> yeah. I will, and I will give credit. I will give credit to the flash movie for giving us that at the beginning. It's like, they were like, yeah, the flash exists in a world where th- there, there are other heroes. They help each other. Sometimes they're not available and show up late. Like one woman comes in late. Like, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I want. I will not give that to the flash movie, but you may. <laughs> oh, come on. You know that they, they did it. They did it. It's a I, fact. I not saying they didn't do it. Moving to comic news, Andy Sandberg is making the most of his time while the Actors Guild is on strike by teaming up with Fallout Boy guitarist Joe Troman and Rick Remender for a new Image comic series, The Holy Roller. Here's how Image describes it. To care for his ailing father, pro bowler Levi Cohen is forced to quit his dream job and return to his hometown which he soon discovers has been overrun by neo-Nazis with only oh, his, shit. with only his bowling ball collection to defend himself. Levi becomes the Holy Roller. This you can hear Andy Sandberg pitching. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like Jewish guy, bowler fighting Nazis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this it. So Roland Bashi and Marino Denisio are going to be on the art duties. Sandberg was thrilled to talk about this and it was adorable. His quote, if you ever found yourself wondering why is there no comic book about a vigilante hero who smashes people's faces with a bowling ball? You're in luck, bruv. I don't know where the bruv, bruv. thing is because he's not British. Bruv is British. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he's just such a dork, and I love him so much. This is going to hit November twenty second, twenty twenty three. Joe Patrick, are you ready for a super bowler? I feel like I've been ready for it my entire life. Right. This is a story. Like if it didn't exist, we would have to create it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, a, this is, it's like Promethea. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like a, it's, it's like a, a monomythic, uh, like we gotta, we gotta get it. We, it's gotta be part of the culture. Um, so like I've been, uh, as a, as a kid, I have very fond memories of my family watching the PBA, which when it aired on Saturday afternoons on ABC, uh, so our cartoons would be over. It would be later in the afternoon. Pro bowler, pro bowling tour would be on. Hey, full disclosure. If I'm changing the channels and bowling's on, I'm going to stop and watch for a while. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> it's it's kick ass. I love to watch bowling. So this sounds like it's going to have a heart as well. And Sandberg, who was also a writer on Brooklyn nine, nine, which was a completely hilarious show also had these heartwarming and serious moments on it. And I think they're going to capture that. And Reminder, that's what he does for a living, man. That's his job. 
take the wackiest thing in the world, make it a sure. serious comic book, make it heartbreaking with still some comedy. This is a great team. I'm excited for this. Same, same. I love Andy Samberg. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of his work. And I think it's a natural progression for him to write for comics. Totally. I, like we saw guys like Patton Oswalt and Brian Posehn, you know, come coming to comics with varying degrees of, you know, success. I think Andy Samberg can do a, will do a great job. And I love Roland Boshi. Rick Remender's a no brainer. Yeah. We loved it when members of the black IP started writing comics. So it just makes sense. We should be excited for fallout boy to do it. Right. (laughs) Not, not be Earl. Be Earl is not a black IP. Um, But you know what? Mark Resnicek drummer for the toadies. That guy's great. He's great. Yeah. It's just, you Toadies, roll the dice. Way better band than Fallout Boy. Any day of the week. Fallout Boy. Well, yeah, sucks. I, uh, Toadies, Toadies, <laughs> one of my, Toadies are one of my favorite bands of the night. Shut up. God, I hate that song. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, the outsiders are back. Sort of. Well, okay, not really. The name, <laughs> the name is back. During DC's Gotham City panel at last week's San Diego Comic-Con, we heard that Colin Kelly. And Jackson Lansing, Matt's boyfriends, along with artist Robert Carey, are bringing back The Outsiders in name only with a 12-issue series featuring no one from the original team. I love how you emphasize that as though it's something to be outraged about. I'm kind I, of outraged. <laughs> I, what, when was the last time an Outsiders book let's, launched let's, and you liked it? Let's get so. through the whole story here and then we'll talk All about right. the outrage. This version of The Outsiders features Batwoman and Luke Fox, a.k.a. Well, no, I am Batman is not Luke Fox. That's his brother. Oh, you're right. That was the other one. Jesus Christ. Jace. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. The Outsiders. This version of The Outsiders features Batwoman and former Batwing Luke Fox reevaluating their place in Gotham City, disillusioned by the events of the forthcoming Gotham War arc. The pair decide to reinvent themselves as archaeologists, delving into the history of the DC universe rather than regular superheroics. Matt, can I interest you in a planetary relaunch and an outsider's relaunch without all those pesky characters from the original books? (laughs) Point of order, the third member of the outsider's cast is the drummer. Yeah, but it's a new version of the drummer. And like, it's a new, why? What are we doing? doing i mean like look if it's it's, good it's planet if it's good fine and i don't want them to revisit planetary in the dcu because it it wouldn't work it just wouldn't work why wouldn't it work i don't want those characters to be put into the dcu oh well i mean not planetary with like not literally like with like that's what i'm saying because like just think about the mess that wildstorm has become crushed into the dcu i I don't need that to happen to planetary i think it's weird I think it's weird that they're choosing to do it this way with these characters. It's weird. I, I don't agree. And if I had written this story, I would have approached it differently because I am actually very excited about the idea. What's missing from this little bit is the description of the book in, which is that they are going to be investigating the remnants left behind from every world bending universe altering crisis that has hit the DC universe. Sure. So the outsiders, this group, the, the, this new group of outsiders are going to be the archeologists of the secret DC multiverse, right. which I think is radical. I think it sounds so cool. It's but like Batwoman and Luke Fox are the characters to do this. Not like 
you know, I don't know, somebody like Cave Carson and uh, what's well, a time well, traveling guy? Cave Carson guy? is yeah, a literal, <laughs> Cave Carson is a spelunker. He's not like, He'd be, like Cave Carson is good for like digging a hole to the center of the earth, okay. but that's not literally what they're doing. Batwoman's a vigilante. <laughs> so okay, she's an archaeologist now too. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> all right. All right. I think that the setup where the, we're, we're seeing that these characters are disillusioned by the, the happenings in Gotham and they have left the, the city, maybe even left their heroic identities behind. I don't think that's true. I think Batwoman will still be Batwoman. Yeah. But she's in costume on the cover. Yes. Jace Fox uh, is wearing a white outfit, just like he's wearing like a like this, like yeah, kind of like Elijah Snow. Exactly kind of. like Elijah I mean, Snow. It, there is a new, a female version of the drummer, which I have no problems with because that's what we're doing right now, is we're incorporating Wildstorm characters into the DC universe for like the fourth or fifth try, but in a different way. Just yep. you know, like they're doing in the Wildcats book. Uh, a planetary for the DC universe sounds really fun to me i'm not saying it's not going to it can't be good i'm not saying that i just think this is a weird choice of characters and a weird name for the group and a weird (laughs) setup it's weird man you can't say it's not weird they're the outsiders why not uh okay i mean (laughs) i'm not saying i need katana and black lightning to be doing this or anything but (laughs) i i have not cared about a version of the outsiders since judd winnick brought the team back in the very early 2000s oh totally agree totally agree and so i'm not been out of shape that this book doesn't star any actual outsiders i, I don't care i could care i like those characters i could care about an outsider sure, book. but they, they just haven't given they, us they've had their chance right of like course. they've of course over and over and over again dc has tried with the outsiders and every time it has been met with a resounding and uh, this is something that also the I, I think most of the excitement comes from the writing team. Yeah, we are both huge fans of Kelly and Lansing, except and so except when they are writing Batman Beyond. <laughs> well, you know that's that might be more of a concept, a problem with the concept. You can't knock them all the out of the park, team. right? Outsiders is coming later this year after the Gotham War event that sees Batman battling Catwoman, who is Gotham's new. Queen pin of crime. Yeah, I guess she would be the queen pin, wouldn't she? <laughs> is that even a thing? Queen pin? No, like you, I feel like no. it. Why? Like, why wouldn't it be? Because the king pin is the name of the main, the number one pin in bowling. That's it. And it's just a nickname for that. So uh, right, there is no enough, queen pin. <laughs> no. There is now, baby. On the Marvel side of San Diego Comic-Con news, the Designing the X-Men panel revealed the X-Men of Latveria, Nightcrawler's real origin, and a possible return to the Age of Apocalypse. What the hell is going on with Marvel's mutants, Joe Patrick? Uh, I have no idea, and following the events of this week's Hellfire Gala, I have even less of an idea than I did before. So here's what we're getting. X-Men Blue Origins by Cy Spurrier and Wilton Santos is supposed to reveal the true, in bold letters, origin of Nightcrawler. This is coming in November. Here's what Marvel had to say about it. You think you know how the beloved Blue Devil came into this troubled world? You think you know the tale of his mendacious mama mystique? You don't! Mother and son reunite in a mold-shattering tale that exposes secrets held for decades and redefines both characters forever! Joe Patrick, this is a collector's item in the making, uh, according to Marvel. BRB, <laughs> BRB, Googling the definition of mendacious. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay. Uh, adjective, not telling the truth. Lying. Used in a sentence or used in uh, as an example, mendacious propaganda. All right. Yeah, that fits Misty. Yeah, she's a liar. Totally. What do you want to go away? If you could pick one thing to go away from night from night crawlers. Come on now. What why, is it? Why would you like say I know, it for the you kids? Know exactly what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say. Say it for the children. Amanda Sefton being his stepson. No. <laughs> that is not it. <laughs> uh, if this if, if this one shot accomplishes one thing and one thing only. If as long as that is the complete disconnection between Nightcrawler's parentage and that f- awful Chuck Austin red evil devil creation Azazel. Yes. That's all I want. I don't That's care. all I want. I don't care if this book sucks. I don't care if this is the worst Nightcrawler book I've oh, ever yeah. read as long as they take that out. As long as Azazel if, is gone. If this book erases Azazel from Nightcrawler's origin, it will be in the running for my best single issue Golden Beppo at the end of the year. Yes. Another thing it could do. It could rewrite Mystique throwing her baby off a cliff. <laughs> You know, I mean, you could do Mystique that favor. You know? <laughs> I mean, she was saving it from a mob. It was like, I let it get torn up. Let him get torn apart by an angry off mob. A cliff, or- and she's a shape changer. There's got to be other ways that you can do this. You know, I mean, look, man, I don't, look, come on. <laughs> uh, now, uh, something else that this or this could do is reveal that Mystique is actually not his mother. I kind of don't want I don't want them to do that. I, I like wouldn't mind that. that Myst- I like the fact that Mystique is his mother. I think it's too easy and it's kind of stupid. Sure. She's blue. I get it. I think it's too easy and it's kind of stupid. I, I'm fine if they say, no, that's not your mom at all. Or he, she raised you for a little while or something. Fine. I'm okay with but that. What would, what would be the point though? Like, uh, like introducing another motherhood mystery, but like, I don't need that. Well, but if we're going to remove Azazel, then you're just going to say, Oh, somebody else had sex with Mystique. And then, I mean, like, I think you remove uh, all of it. She, uh, Mystique, I think you remove all <laughs> of it. Mystique's a shape. Mystique's a shape shift for she impregnated herself. Mystique's also a lesbian. So she, she reproduced asexually and she's um, been a lesbian for a very, very long time. Hickman has yes, revealed. But, so, but she's also known for doing what she has to to survive. Like I have no like problems. getting pregnant with a demon, baby. <laughs> well, okay, but so uh, that that Chuck Austin story with, that we are rightfully bashing the Draco Ugh. reveals that at the time Mystique was uh, Raven Darkholm was married to this like Baron or whatever in Germany, and she was doing it to live. Right, like she needed to survive and. This was before the days of like mutant civil rights, freedom fighters, and before the X-Men. This is like Mystique as a frightened woman alone in a world that has no idea who she is or what she is. She has no idea what she is. And so, yeah, she's shacking up with this with this Baron and oops, you know, she got pregnant or whatever. Like that could have been Nightcrawler's whole origin. But no, we had to introduce Azazel. I just hope- so I have no I have no problems with Mystique like forcing herself into this life because she thinks she has to. So let's go back to the word. I understand that she is a lesbian. Let's go back to the word mendacious, meaning liar. Mystique is the one who told Nightcrawler about all of this. No, I don't. Yeah. think She's the one that revealed it to him. She revealed this whole story to him. We would have to go back and fact check that because I think that it was a Zazel that came and said, Hey, this is what happened. I'm calling my shot. It was all a lie. 
I think Mystique is still really his mom, but Azazel is clearly not because that's like one of the worst things that they've ever, ever yeah, said. It's so stupid. With. It's so stupid. Next up, we saw that premiering in X-Men number 29, this December, we get to meet the X-Men of Latveria. Here's what Marvel had to say with the X-Men at their lowest point. Yet another group has moved to claim their title. This one, a band of patriotic Latverian mutants loyal only to the great and terrible Dr. Doom. Doom's got his own team of X-Men. Now, without spoiling anything from the Hellfire Gala, uh, we don't really have a new X team, I guess, but on the cover of this comic, well, we, we kind of do sort of, we do see Wolverine, Miss Marvel and somebody with a sword who might, was that Quanin? Maybe? No, that's Kitty. That's, oh, that's, uh, Ki- that's remember, right. She's, she's, she's going back to shadow cat and, and embracing her ninja, her ninja training. That's right. And they are fighting, uh, which is something I feel like they, uh, they announced so long ago and we're only now just getting to it. Yeah. Right. They're fighting Doom's new muties. Now, does this, I guess we got to spoil a little bit of the Hellfire Gala to talk about No, 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 this? I don't think we do. Okay. I think we can just say. After the events of the Hellfire Gala, does it make sense that Doom would still have mutants? Yeah. Do you think Dr. Doom is going to listen to anybody? Well, I mean, I suppose do you think, not. Do you think that Dr. Doom, do you think that Dr. Doom does not have safeguards set up in his own country to prevent the sort of thing that happened. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, from what they said, from what the bad guys said they were going to do, if there were mutants still around, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's perfectly in character for Dr. Doom to say, go ahead. I dare you. Yeah. I suppose that's true. I dare you to try. I guess, or come into, come into Latveria and try, or the bad guys are like, yeah, do it. Put your team together. This is hilarious. We love it. You know, like sure. Either way, either way. No. Yeah. And I also think that like, I can't believe it's never occurred to me that there would be other mutant teams well, I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily called the X-Men, but there's been plenty the freedom force. The no, no, no. I mean like around the world, right? Like the freedom forces w- worked for the government. Yeah. I, I'm talking about like the brotherhood of yeah. evil mutants and stuff, you know, I mean, right. But again, but like, w- like why wouldn't Dr. Doom have a group of m- mutants of his own? Like yeah. it makes total sense. I can't believe it's never happened before. Sure. I think it's, it sounds good. Like they're all brand new characters. The cover was great. I think it was Marco Cicchetto cover and, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I wonder what their deal is. And yeah, I, to your, to, to your point, I wonder how the bad guys will react and how That's part of the story, right? Yeah. How the bad guys will react and the remaining X peeps who's still around doing what and how is that working? <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of questions to be answered here. We shall well, see. Sure. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been, three days. So, well, the good news is Joe, I think we can give it some time in December. You're going to get a whole new team of X-Men in new X-Men. Well, we don't know that. Yeah, we don't know. But all we know is it has a very age of apocalypse font. Look to it. it, it, And I'll make it even vaguer. We don't know if it's a comic. We don't know if it's a team. We, well, obviously it's a comic, but we don't know if it's a series. We don't know if it's, we don't know a team. We don't know if it's an event a what if all we know is that it's got two words new and x-men and the font they used is the age of apocalypse x-men font and we've and seen a, like the, they teased us with that apocalypse stuff in the recent before the fall well, but we don't uh, again but we whatever. don't know like 
Be like, yeah, yes, but like, we don't know anything about anything. No, we just know we know apocalypse. Here's, what I'm saying is, we know he's not dead, and he has a new right, status right, quo. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. He he. Right, exactly. Um, and so the teaser says that it will be revealed. Like we will we will know more uh, in 2024. So it's not actually happening until next year. Yeah, but there will be a a tease of it or a setup of some kind in november it's, that's what the teaser says it's got to be some new age of apocalypse some return to that type of event thing well uh, maybe it's just apocalypse forming his own x-men team if i'm gonna call my shot based on where we are right now and what it looks like is going to be happening to the x-men there's going to have to be some major cleanup after this is done and one way they could do it just like they did back in the day is apocalypse completely changes everything and you get an age of apocalypse thing. And when we vamp back, Oh, the mansion is here and like, Oh, everything's okay. And the, and the um, shit oh, never well, happened. Okay. You know, uh, like we're, we're, we're getting kind of dangerously close. And I feel like we can't really talk any more about theory without talking about what happened. And so we're going to get into what happened in the gang hang. Yeah. If you want some spoilers, go to the gang hang. You're not going to get them here. I think that whatever's coming in the X universe is going to be very interesting. Just whether it's good or not, it just to see what they do and how it works and how it unfolds considering no joke, the hellfire gala was a seismic upheaval Yeah, of the current X-Men status. Quo. Yeah. When they and say fall of X, they're not kidding. Like comparing it to powers of, of 10 and house of X. It's like, it's that level. It's where it's like, all of a sudden in one comic book, everything is different. Yeah. And so hell if I know, man, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. Anything I'm just saying that. another age of apocalypse would be a quick and dirty way to reset the status quo. Um, and one might argue that a status quo has already been reestablished <laughs> again. No more spoilers. I think that's already saying too yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Move over, Starro. There's a new evil starfish in the DCU, and Beast Boy might be the Titans' only hope. Earlier this week, DC announced, quote-unquote, the first Titans crossover event. That might be something that I wrote. I don't know. No, no. that's This is from their news. This oh, is, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It's is the that first, right? It, 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 it's the first. It's not like the Titans... You like have had insular events like the Judas contract. Sure. And, and whatever, but I mean, whatever. like there's never been, but like, this is crossovers? the first, this is the first Titans centric crossover event. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. And it it's just- called Titans colon beast world. Beast boy will have to take the form of star of the conqueror in order to combat the necro star and even Eviler giant starfish. Gianter. Eviler gianter. Eviler gianter <laughs> starfish. Uh, this is brought to us by the Titans, current Titans writer Tom Taylor and Ivan Rice, artist Ivan Rice. Uh, Lex and Amanda Waller have something to do with Beast Boy becoming Starro. The Titans then have to save him. It's also going to finally deal with that lingering subplot from. Lazarus planet with the helmet of hate and a new character called Dr. Hate who looks pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And so like, I, so I think what I'm getting uh, here is that beast boy will have to push himself to links that he's never had to go before to become 
something capable of fighting the Necrostar. And my guess is that's Lex where Lex and Lex and Amanda Waller yeah. come in. Lex helps and him then, do it without telling him the ramifications, of course, because he's Lex. Right. And then can and then the story becomes like, can he be brought back from that? I, I think also it's called Beast World, and I'm pretty sure it has something to do with um, people around the world being transformed into beasts. Yes. See, now I was hoping that we would find out that there was a secret race of Titans that had been around like just as long as the Transformer Titans, but they turned into animals, right? And they were the animal Titans and they have to team up to <laughs> no, fight. No, 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 no. This is a, I, you're <laughs> overthinking it. This is just a long awaited sequel to JL Ape. Oh, finally. Is what, is what we're finally. doing. No, this looks great and it sounds like a yeah. lot of fun and I love the idea that like, hey, Beast Boy, maybe you don't even know how really powerful you are. Like, that's fun. And I can see it. Yeah, right. It's like Iceman, right? Like, yeah. Iceman was just this, like, jokey guy who threw snowballs and exactly. icicles. And, yeah. all, and all of a sudden, Loki messed with his powers, and it's like, oh, shit, he's an Omega-level mutant, and things got really crazy for him. Yeah, and Lex is the perfect shithead to come in and be like, hey, kid, have you ever thought about what you can do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a story arc. Uh, there was a story arc in the nineties Titans comics where something happened to beast boy or to changeling is, is what he was called still back then. Something happened to Gar Logan and he was only able to transform into monsters, like monstrous beasts, like not animals. I'm talking. Oh, like not real animals, but full on monsters. Yeah. Like, like creatures, like, a, okay. you know, like, like centaurs. A, like a <laughs> yeah. But, but like scary stuff. Owlbears. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> like dra dragons and demons. Sure. And Gelatinous cubes. I get it. Yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. DD, nothing but DD monsters. <laughs> Only um, monster so, manual monsters. I like, oh, right, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, I'll yeah, turn yeah, into yeah. Tiamat for this adventure. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, he's a beholder for all of a sudden. And um, so the idea that Beast Boy can do a lot more than like turn into a gorilla. Yeah. It, it is a story that they've touched on before. And so I kind of love this idea. No, it's cool. I think it's, and well, Ivan Rice and Tom Taylor. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, I think that that shows like people were, I think rightfully questioning this whole status quo that the Titans are now the replacements for the justice league. Right. right. And, you know, what's that going to be like? Is there a comic going to start and all this? And they're just going to like fight brother blood or whatever, right out, right out of the gate. And is it just going to be same as ever. And I think that this shows that like the Titans are big time. And the fact that Taylor is getting this chance. And then they put Ivan Rice, professional event book penciler, yeah, Ivan Rice, the guy that you go to on, DC on the art. Like, I think that this is like DC is like, no, this is the big, this is a big event. Okay. So. And I was one of the, I talked a bunch of smack about it. I was like, make them the JLA. God damn it. You know, but look that the Titans book is fantastic. I'm going to take it a step Very further yeah. and maybe start a fight. They restarted the Titans with this new status quo. Not too long after the Avengers got a relaunch. We're three issues into the Avengers. It's good. I like it. I think Titans is way better. And I think the Titans way better of a super team than DCU right now, personally. <laughs> I think I think Titans number one came before the new Avengers number one. I think Titans three has yet to come out. Oh, that's right. Avengers, it, Avengers number three just came out. I forgot. Uh, um, we had to put everything on pause so we could have a we're, nightmare right, everybody's, for two months. Everybody's having, <laughs> everybody's having a nap right now. Yeah. They had they had too much. They went to the Chinese buffet. They ate too much and they're having a nice lie, lie down. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Look, I think the new Avengers book is great. It's I, good. I think it's the, very good. Jed, Jed McKay Avengers book is great, but the Titans book has something that I really loved about the eighties, nineties, like the Kurt Busiek and the Roger Stern and the John Byrne Avengers of yore, where it wasn't just like, it's a team of professional badasses that get together to deal with the most direst shit. Yeah. And sometimes it's about the Scarlet Witch needing an apartment or whatever, you know, I just, I, I made that up, but, and the Titans has that kind of like, they're a family. We're right. We're, you know, sometimes we're watching a movie, you know, we're making, we're making fun of, of, we're making fun of beast boy for eating all the yogurt or whatever. That's my only problem with this new Avengers run. It's, it looks really great. Team is impersonal. It's completely impersonal. And I was kind of hoping we were getting away. That was my biggest problem with Jason Aaron stuff. It lost all personality whatsoever and even changed the Avengers so much that most of them, the team was barely recognizable, you know? Yeah. And now we get, we're back to, a, you know, a solid Avengers team that's marching in step with the rest of the Marvel. You do, you know, like it's up to, it's up to speed with what black Panther is doing. Hell man. It's some of them got with, costumes on yeah. that they haven't even debuted yet, <laughs> but they don't feel like they even like each other at all. And yeah, I kind of want I, that Avengers family feel back. And I think the Titans is just doing a much better job of that, which again, we had the yeah. same complaint about justice league for how long everybody in the justice league hated each other, barely got along and was constantly messed up or having to take one member down because they did that. It's like, what happened to the family? <laughs> you know, Yeah, like sometimes I just want to see the Avengers like taking a breather and going out to the yeah. a restaurant, you know, or, yeah. you know, eating shawarma at the end of the battle of New York. Absolutely. Like the, whatever. Let, give us that stuff. And Titans is doing it. Before we close out the news, let's do some quick takes on some smaller stories. It's time for ludicrous speed news. Ludicrous speed. Go. Marvel announced that black widow is the new venom. She's got a neat costume with the widow spider on it and everything. Joe Patrick thoughts and feelings. Dumb. She's got a ponytail, Matt. Why? <laughs> kind of dumb, but okay, stay with me here. I think it's kind of neat. <laughs> what if she's in complete control and Venom really doesn't bother her that much because Natasha's such a badass and it shows this... that like Peter and Eddie and all those guys were a bunch of weak babies. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I think it's kind of like, or maybe this was just speculation, but I think it's kind of like she hacks a symbiote like it's a weapon. I mean, we don't know. Right? We'll see. Maybe. And so that's kind of neat, but I think it would have been fine if it was just a, a, a Black Widow style Venom costume, but she's got a big ass ponytail sticking out of it. That is dumb. But I do think it's interesting that Venom might as only, well give her Nightcrawler ears. That Venom only wants to stick to spider people. <laughs> and technically, Black Widow, she's right there. It's in the name. Well, you know, he's got a taste. <laughs> he's got a taste for it now. Paramount has resurrected the I Like Turtles zombie kid for TMNT Mutant Mayhem. They put out a recreation of the meme from the ancient days it was of the internet. Perfect. perfect. It was so good. It was executed. very funny. <laughs> that is a great piece of marketing that is specifically for old guys. Uh, like a, It's well done, Paramount. Absolutely. I don't think there could, I don't think there's been a movie, maybe aside from Barbie, that has more goodwill going into it than this TMNT movie. Everyone is excited, oh, yeah. except for a few jerks, and we know some of them. Joe Patrick, you loved Batman's villain, Batman villain, Hush. But are you ready for Shush? 
the female hush. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard okay, in my life. The only thing that I'm going to give this any credit for is it literally was a joke that came out of Joshua Williamson's mouth. Where he was like, if I was going to make a female version, she'd have to be called Shush. And the editors went, you are making a female version of the character called Shush. And he goes, oh, shit, really? <laughs> like, and now he's doing it. <laughs> That's like uh, back in the in the nineties. Every every year they'd have the or every quarter they'd have the Superman Creative Team Summit where they'd come up with plans for the line. And every year while they were brainstorming, Jerry Ordway would go, "Why don't we just kill him?" Yeah. And then one time, Mike Carlin was like, "Yep, okay, let's do yeah, it." Slammed so his you down have went. to stop. Don't make <laughs> stop making jokes during editorial meetings. This is in the pages of Batman and Robin, so it's going to tie into like Damien's story uh, and stuff. So. Up, upcoming upcoming Batman. Yeah. And Robin. It's dumb. First of all, I hate Hush. Second of all, Shush. It's <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Uh, well, we're already getting Beast World, but we're also getting Justice League versus Godzilla versus King Kong, which is a completely separate thing about giant beasts. Matt Bomb, you love kaiju. Let's get into it. I love Godzilla. I love King Kong. I did not love either of the latest American films. I, I just, I, I like the first King Kong movie. I thought they did a nice job of, I don't understand how they got him to fight Godzilla, whatever. Uh, we've already gone on record saying, when you put Godzilla in a world of superheroes, it neither makes sense nor works. So <laughs> now we're putting Godzilla and King Kong there. I would argue Superman can take both these guys. What's the problem? Um, I, I think it, I think you're going to be hard pressed to come up with a story in which Godzilla is a threat, let alone King Kong. Like King Kong is right? no threat to the Justice Yeah. None. Th that was our problem when we were talking about the old school Marvel Godzilla. It's like, so they live in a world with the Avengers and the Avengers are like, nah, let's shield deal. <laughs> but no, the way only dumb, dumb Dugan can fight yeah, Godzilla. Yeah, you know, like, what? Okay, whatever. Uh, so that series is going to be written by Brian Bucciolato with art by Kristen Duce or Deuce and Luis Guerrero. I mean, we'll see. We're gonna right? we're gonna review it on the show. Promise you that. You so. know, you know we will. You know we will. In dual strike news, Beyond the Spider Verse is delayed indefinitely. No big shock. We already called that shot a couple weeks ago when we reported on people talking about how long it took to make this latest one, and comic creators joined the picket line this week in front of NBC Universal. Real quick. Here's a list of... This is super This is super cool. It's pretty cool. Now, it wasn't a bunch. It was about 40 of them, but there were some... 40 is kind of a lot. There were some names there, right? You had uh, Pornsack, Pitchett Shote, who we love, writes The Good Asian. Mark Bernadine, who worked on Adora in the Distance and also wrote for Picard. Jeremy Adams, huh? Our new friend, Jeremy our boy, Adams. Our, our new bestie. <laughs> David Adams. Doozy's Adam cousin, Doozy's, Doozy's cousin, cousin, Jeremy Adams. Sorry, he will always be Doozy's cousin, Jeremy Adams. My bad. David Avalone was there, and then Shauna and Julie Benson, who worked on Batgirls and the and Birds of Prey, and Lucifer showrunner Joe Henderson, who uh, had a comic book called Skyward. Whatever. Mm, the cool part is, look, solidarity, bros, get in there, go get them, fight the man, screw yeah, this. I mean, a, a lot of the several of these uh, writers are also members of the Writers Guild, but not all of them are. But they all understand the fact that the work of comic book creators is being exploited by Hollywood just like regular Hollywood writers yep. are being exploited by Absolutely. Hollywood. Absolutely. And so they showed up in force 
to support the writer's skill, then I think it is rad. Totally badass. The Spider-Verse thing, yeah, like, when it came out that people were complaining about the working conditions and whatever, and like how it, there was no way that they were going to make the deadline of, of less than a year until the next one, well, the other shoe has dropped, and they're blaming it on the strikes, so. Yeah, but good. Hey. Way to go, guys. Glad you got something well, to Well, I mean, look, we all knew it was going to happen, yeah. so. And finally, on Thursday, 14-year-old Karthik Namani correctly spelled koinonia, a Greek word that means Christian fellowship or communion. To win the Scripps National Spelling Bee, Matt, to tie for first place, please spell koinonia. Can you, can you use it in a sentence, please? Um, yes, I can. Koinonia is a Greek word that means Christian fellowship or communion. <laughs> You're an asshole. Okay. <laughs> oh. I. And. <laughs> O-I-A? Kononia? I don't know. Is that it? Kononia? With a K, right? Well, yeah, but you only said N one time, so. Uh, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, uh, K- K- Koinonia, which honestly seems like a, kind of a softball for the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Yeah, that's so weird it, ass. It doesn't, I mean, I guess the prob- the the difficulty is like you don't know what the hell Koinonia is. Yeah, it's a weird is, ass so. word, you know. <laughs> but it's not like, you know, pneumonia, ultra microscopic, silico, volcano, coniosis, which yeah. is the longest word in the English language. That is your Nerd News Recap, but there's always more to discuss, kiddies. You can join us in our gang hang on Saturdays from 11 to noon. We just got out of ours. We did some screaming about the Hellfire Gala. and then Holy we, crap, did we feel some stuff Then we week. screamed about Secret Invasion. We screamed about a bunch of Inhumans for no reason. There was a lot of screaming <laughs> in yeah. general. In Man, poor episode. Crystal. She really got knocked around. <laughs> yeah. Or you can post in our Nerd News channel on the THN Discord. You know what else we talk about? about in there we talk about the question of the week joe patrick what is our new question in honor of this coming week's release of tmnt mutant mayhem we want to talk about your teenage mutant ninja turtles memories your favorite recollections your most hated storylines your favorite dumb mutant side characters tell us what you love what you hate I want to talk about that f-ing seaweed level in the video game. Yeah, the man. Nintendo video game. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> let's let let's have a therapy session where we gab about TMNT and everything it entails. Let's talk turtles. I love it. We'll do it on the Discord. We'll talk about it in our gang hang next week. Get ready for a very special birthday episode of the Slack Issue Super Crew reuniting to talk about the reign of the Superman. This is part three of our death and rise of Superman. Is that the death and uh, rise? Death and return of Superman. Death in, a, in, a very, in a very Marvel fashion, it is the Slack Issues Holiday Special colon Joe Patrick's Birthday Edition hyphen reign of the Superman part one. One shot. One shot. Oh, but also, uh, it's the Slack Issues Holiday Special Part 3, Reign of the Superman Part 1. Alpha. So, yeah. It's both Part 3 and Part 1. Yes. <laughs> and a one shot. <laughs> so. Whew. Get ready for full frontal Hank Henshaw, folks. Until next time, true believers. Oh, baby. My name is Matt Ball. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.